Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Over the past several months, there has been no shortage of discussion regarding global trade and the knock-on effects of the pandemic. But while debates over supply chain and cargo disruptions are at the top of everyone's minds when it comes to physical trade, there's an even more important discussion building about the future of the global trade and services. In this episode of the Financial Executive Podcast, we speak with Nawaz Ali, Head of Market Insights at Western Union Business Solutions regarding Western Union's new research report, The Global Services Trade Revolution, which looks at how trade of services and digital products is going through its own upheaval and its own revolution. Nawaz, thank you for, for taking the time today to speak with us about the report. Um, obviously, very timely given, given what's gone on in trade, but obviously when we talk about trade or we see trade discussed in the broader context, you're talking about physical goods, you're talking about ships moving back and forth. But this report obviously has a different slant. Before we start, maybe we could level set. Um, what is your definition of what is services or service in the context of international trade? Thanks, Chris. And uh, firstly, obviously, thank you for having me today. I think, um, yeah, as you mentioned, goods trade, it's it's really easy, easy to visualize. You think of those manufactured goods moving across the seas on the big ships in a container. Um, services trade, my definition would be just something that's not physical. You can't hold it, you can't drop it. Um, and the most widely thought of example of a services trade is usually travel. So, you know, taking a flight from New York to London, for example. Um, but there's many other services to, to really uh, mention here um, to give examples of those invisible um um, products and solutions, for example. So the exchange of intellectual property, data services, software. So good examples today, which I think everybody listening will easily recognize are your Netflix. So an organization providing content services to many countries around the world, um, or your Zoom communications app, um, or even you know the health and fitness apps that we download on our mobile phones today are all examples of services trade. Um, and um, I think what this all means, I think, is the bigger picture, if you look at the last 10 years of services trade as well, just moving on from the definition is because of what we've seen with internet growth, so thinking 4G, 5G, because of mobile phone development and how many of us now have access to mobile, is over this last decade before the pandemic, if you look at 2010 to 2019, goods trade globally increased by around 25% whereas services trade globally increased by 50%. So almost twice as much because of this level of sophistication or digitalization, however you want to define it. Yeah. And, um, you know, just moving on from that, I mean, the discussion we, we talked about, you know, ships going into ports, standing there. And so, so the pandemic has obviously had an impact on trading a physical good. What impact has it had on the international trade and services? Yeah. So I think in terms of impact, if we look at 2020 as an example, it's very much a kind of a travel versus digital story. So, mm. you know, in our latest services trade report, which we're publishing this month, we look at what happened in 2020. So if you look at global services trade related to travel, 
the impact the pandemic had there. I'm not going to be giving away any surprises here, but one of the analyses we looked at was we saw travel perform 23% worse than what was actually expected because the pandemic lasted longer than expected. The lockdowns lasted or more often than expected. And we had those ongoing border restrictions. But in comparison, if you look at global services trade in 2020 related to financial services, it was actually 8% better than expected. Mm. Lots of different reasons. One reason you can think of is, you know, the 10 trillion plus dollars of economic stimulus that all of the central banks around the world, like the Federal Reserve, injected into financial markets. So we didn't have a situation like the financial crisis in 20, 2009. So the other way that financial services benefited where the travel sector didn't is the ability to use technology to serve its customers digitally. So that was kind of 2020 in that kind of travel versus digital story. I think looking ahead now to 2022 and beyond, um, the other impact the pandemic had um, or is having still is much more profound and interesting. So that is the, the level of digital transformation that we have seen and are seeing by companies. So because of the pandemic push or the great lockdown, we've seen last year in less than 12 months, the amount of digital transformation by companies of their products and services, which we would normally see in a seven year period. So we saw seven years of digitalization by companies done happening in less than 12 months last year. Now, to bring that to life with some examples, you know, you think of the legal sector. Mm. So think of the traditional filing cabinets, um, the movement of paper to cloud. So filing cabinets moving to digitally encrypted file sharing platforms or softwares like Box. Um, or the shift from, you know, pen in hand, wet signatures, moving to areas like the digital e-signature software like DocuSign. So this is the kind of digitalization that we've seen at a rapid scale. Um, and as a consequence of that, we're now updating our forecast for 2025 for services trade. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we'll be talking about <clears throat> in our latest report this month is this time last year, our we worked with our research partners, Oxford Economics, and we forecasted that in 2019, global services trade was around 6.1 trillion. And we expect that to increase by 33% by 2025 to $8 trillion. Mm -hmm. That's how much services trade will grow over the next five years. We're now updating that forecast. We now feel like it's going to be $8.1 trillion. So an increase of $100 billion of services trade, which we expect now as a consequence of that level of digitalization that we've seen. So the... Let's get a little bit more specific. You know, what are the biggest service industries, industries that move across borders and which countries have some of the largest services trading relationships with the U.S.? Okay. Well, if I look at it, um, I'll take the industry part first. So the mm. biggest industries, if you look at the U.S., and if I say today, I mean 2019, we won't use 2020 figures because right. of the, the pandemic effect. So today, the U.S. exports in terms of services around $876 billion worth of exports. The majority of that or the biggest portion, 38% of those services is in B2B services. So here is where you look at the strength and depth in the U.S. of companies like Google Analytics, 
So all of the digital marketing services that Google provides, you know, search engine optimization, et cetera, to many, many companies around the world. Um, and you also got emerging or growing um, areas and companies like Upwork. So you think of, you know, gig worker, labor platforms um, and marketplaces. The other big, so that's B2B service, um, B2B services. Um, the other big sectors in the US are um, traditional sectors like travel. So travel, right. again, makes up 22% of services still. So that's where you have your American Airlines and your Delta Airlines, et cetera. And that's followed closely by financial services. Um, so B2B travel and financial services are the kind of three biggest uh, sectors in terms of US services exports. Just moving on to the country then, um, looking at it from a country perspective. So when you think of goods trade, um, it's the usual suspects, you know, top three destinations for U.S. goods exports are your Canada's, your Mexico's and your China. Hmm. For services trade, the top five destinations for U.S. services exports um, today, and again, using 2019 figures, number one is the EU. So the EU 27, mm. so that's around $200 billion worth of services exports. Within that big EU market, the single biggest destination is Ireland. About a quarter of those exports go to Ireland. Number two on the list for US services exports is the UK um, at around 78 billion, followed by Canada in third, China in fourth, and Japan in fifth. Um, and it's no real supply. Last point would be, you know, there's no real surprise seeing the three biggest country destinations, be in Ireland, you, the UK and Canada, given the common language, the closer mm. alignment on culture and communication, which just makes those contract negotiations or complex IP discussions a little bit easier. So that tells us where we are. We're, let's look a little bit forward. Where do you see the strongest growth over the next decade when it comes to services trade? So in terms of the decade, the next decade, we've looked um, as far as 2025 and um, we're looking to update these forecasts on a five-year period because things are changing at such a rapid pace in the services trade world. So if you look forward to 2025 for the US specifically, and it's not much different to, to the, global, um, the global market, the B2B services sector is still expected to dominate and grow substantially by around 39%. Mm. And that's between or from 2019, so again, pre-pandemic to 2025. So over that six-year period, B2B services for the US is still expected to dominate. Now, I mentioned the names like Amazons, uh, Amazons, your B2B marketplaces. I mentioned earlier DocuSign, you know, e-signature cloud services. Um, but the biggest areas of growth um, are in areas such as financial services. So we're expecting the US financial services exports to grow by 50% between 2019 and 2025. So here is where you're seeing really technology and financial services come together significantly. So this is the fintech revolution that we're seeing. So mm. here examples would include companies like Klarna. So the buy now, pay later option that you and I right. see regularly when we're shopping online. Um, another good example would be, you know, people will recognize this from the news not so long ago is Robinhood. So Robinhood, which is the app you and I can use to trade stocks and cryptocurrencies quite easily via our mobile phone. So financial services, again, 50% growth over the next, you know, this that six year period I've already kind of defined. 
Lastly, and the area we're expecting to see the single biggest growth is actually ICT. Hmm. So we're expecting ICT services and exports to grow by 57%, so almost 60% um, by 2025. So here is where you're seeing, I mentioned fintech earlier, the fintech revolution. We're seeing that innovation in areas such as AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. So think of your organizations like Microsoft Azure or Amazon Web Services providing AI software and services. Um, but within that ICT services growth, you've also got your big hitters, um, your more household names like your AT&T and Verizon providing all of those wonderful internet services and high-speed broadband services. Mm. So I think the summary is um, services trade, I'm expecting a lot of growth. Um, but for the US in particular, about 58% of that growth that we're going to see over the next um, five years is going to come from those um, sectors, B2B financial services and ICT. And and given that, I mean, how does the US compare to other countries in terms of trade and services? And we'll pick three, you know, given different regions, the UK, Canada, and Singapore. So um, two ways of looking at that. Um, if I start with maybe absolute values, so mm. who you know, who exports the most. By far, the US is still the single biggest export of services globally. So I mentioned um, the figure earlier, $876 billion is what the US exported in terms of services in 2019. Uh, number two on that list is the UK, but around half of that figure. So the UK in 2019 exported around $400 billion worth of services. Um, number three is your Germany, followed uh, Germany's followed by your France and then Singapore. So US very much dominating yeah. and almost, you know, more than twice the amount that you see from countries like the UK and Germany. Um, you're looking forward now, if you think about 2025 and will the UK, US and countries like the UK continue to dominate? Um it, according to our forecasts, absolutely. You know, the US and UK are expected to maintain their number one and two positions, um, respectively, uh, over the next five years. Um, and a lot of that's because of um, various reason, re reasons, but the services and growth of their digital services in particular are supported by their strong relative digital competitiveness. So, what I mean here is if you look at organizations like the World Economic Forum, they analyze every country to look at how competitive are these countries in um, services trade. And one of the things that they publish um, to help us judge that is their global competitiveness index. So they look at the US compared to other countries and say, the US ranks very high just behind the UK and countries like Switzerland on technological readiness. So what that looks at is how many people have mobiles, how many people have access to high-speed internet, how many people have a good bandwidth, all of the things needed to drive services trade more easily. The other thing, last point, is the US ranks very highly um, in the world for digital innovation. Mm. So the World Economic Forum will look at the US compared to other countries and say, how much do companies in this country spend on research and development? How much do universities work with industries to collaborate on research that leads to new innovation? So not just in the pharmaceutical world where 
your your universities will work with industry, but also in areas of, like I mentioned earlier, financial technology. So obviously there's a lot going on, a lot being, you know, developed, you know, just by natural organic of the market, but the other wild card and all this and a lot of a lot of instances is regulations. So are there any new you know deals or regulations on the horizon that could impact the services economy? Yeah, so that's a big question um, and a lot of different answers. Um, I think maybe I'll start with a simple definition as well because unlike goods trade, tariff um, and border checks do not really usually apply to services. Mm-hmm. Services, but services do face kind of non-tariff type policy barriers. So a good example of this is governments can limit the number of foreign companies in a certain sector or even ban them. So if you think about the US and China Huawei example that we've seen, um, all com- governments can require foreign companies to obtain special licenses in order to provide their services in that country. So there's lots of kind of hidden behind the border type barriers like these that are complex and hard to quantify, but they do impact services firms. So a lot's happening in the world, coming back to your question, in terms of addressing these regulatory challenges and cutting down these barriers to positively affect services trade. So good examples will include last year, US-Mexico-Canada agreement, USMCA, good example, replaced NAFTA, included a new chapter on digital trade. And that was designed specifically to encourage the exchange of services and trade um, data across borders. So that was around you know, the common data privacy regulations, um, such as a cross-border privacy rule system. Lots of technical stuff, but there are deals trying to make things easier. The other thing to keep an eye out is outside the US, if you look across to Asia now, um, led by China, there were 15 countries, including countries like Singapore and Japan. Um, as a group, that 15 countries makes up 30% of world GDP. So it's a significant area who signed the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, so RCEP, in November mm-hmm. 2020, which is going to roll into effect uh, you know, as we're speaking right now. In that agreement, financial services will be one of the sectors benefiting significantly from that deal because it aims to harmonize financial services regulations across Asia in the similar way that the EU did with the EU single market. Lastly, I'd probably mention more globally and close to home in the US is led by the US and also the EU. You have right now 50 countries still negotiating, uh, 50 countries including the likes of the UK, still negotiating um, the new trade in services agreement, so TISA. Um, not widely, you know, talked about in media currently is, um, it's a, it's been a long process. There's a long way to go. It's been on hold since the U S presidency changed from president Trump to president Biden. But this potential deal is, um, significant and it's focused very much on setting new modern international standards that will help improve services trade. So in people familiar with TISA will also recognize terms like GATS, the old General Agreement for Trade and Services created by the WTO countries. But that was created in 1995. Mm-hmm. There was no AI sector then. There was no e-commerce market then. So TISA will be a new agreement 
super modern, improve efficiency in how all of these services are traded across borders today. Um, keep in mind, there may be also new regulations that could impact growth, especially when you think about the area of cryptocurrency, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are some things I'd, uh, you know, I'd put on the table, but there's a lot more examples to, to, to talk about too. Yeah. And I think, you know, once, um, you read the report, it goes into some uh, very interesting points around that, but I want to sort of level set, um, sort of as a final question in getting it back to, you know, FEI members, um, you know, FEI members have a lot of responsibility, whether they work with the services economy as an ecosystem or they work in the services economy, they have to forecast revenue and, um, they have to think about where the businesses are going. And if and the report and what we've discussed is given a lot of, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, how difficult a task is it given today's uncertainty in the service economy when you want to forecast revenue? Yeah. Um, I would look at it or maybe answer the question from two different um, mm-hmm. angles here. Angle number one would be the pandemic. Yes, that's what's creating a significant amount of uncertainty and it's not over yet. And executives are going to have to manage the fact that different sectors will return to normal pre-pandemic levels at very different speeds. So if you think about organizations that rely on doing business in the travel sector, um, they will need to somehow factor in the uncertainty of when will travel return to pre-pandemic levels. This travel is not going to go away, but it may recover a lot slower than expected. You know, according to our forecast, we may not see travel as a whole globally. The sector recover to those 2019 pre-pandemic levels until 2023 mm. or 2024. So a mm. lot longer yeah. than expected um, than what we would have hoped for, unfortunately. Um, but there are also significant opportunities that I'm sure every board now is recognizing and focusing on. Uh, you know, business opportunities, I've mentioned many today, B2B services, ITC serv- ICT services. Um, they're expected to grow and outperform 2019 levels by the end of this year already. So a significant, not just bounce back, but those um, sectors really did accelerate and benefit from the great lockdown in 2020. Uh, and parts of 2021. So I think for, you know, executives, you know, people listening to this um, conversation today, this, you know, this mismatch of challenges and opportunities is what CEOs are dealing with today. But the good news is they have much better access to and visibility of data to help make data-driven decisions than compared to the past. Um, and hopefully that includes, you know, using some of our own forecasts and data, which we're publishing. So I think maybe to just summarize this kind of, uh, you know, the answer to the question is a lot's changed, um, but it's still changing and international organizations must, you know, find ways of benchmarking how their growth plans for the future compare against the outlook for services trade. You know, decision makers are already rethinking how their products and solutions must add value and better value in an increasingly digital and mobile future. So I think those leaders who recognize just how much and how quickly digital transformation is taking place and that online platforms and, you know, modern digital deliverable services, digitally deliverable services, they're now really driving the future growth of global trade. So I think that understanding and that recognition of this kind of services trade revolution that we're seeing, you know, may just give them a competitive advantage in 2022. 
Well, that's that's certainly a lot to think about, and um, you know, certainly the conversation is is, is developing as as we move along. But we will link. Definitely a link to in the show notes to the report and, and so people can get more information. Ben, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today about a very important subject. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris.